Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætte alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 
The power of you is greater than you can ever imagine when you allow yourself to be powerful. It is not easy to stand up and decide to hold someone accountable for the abuse they subjected you to as a child. It's in fact one of the most difficult things that anyone can choose to do. But Lynn Crook is one of those people. Lynn had completely buried the memories of the abuse that she suffered at the hands of her father. She didn't begin to recover these repressed memories until she was in her mid-40s. Before this time, she had only remembered positive memories or no memories. And after spending years in therapy and even confronting her father who denied the allegations, Lynn decided to take action. Lynn decided she wanted justice for the abuse she'd suffered as a child through the court system. Standing up in this way takes enormous amounts of strength and guts and Lynn has continued to fight for the truth over many years, particularly after the False Memory Syndrome Foundation was set up by parents accused of child abuse to claim that these memories discovered by adults about their childhood were false. Lynn has written a very important book called False Memories, The Deception That Silenced Millions, and the link to purchase the book is in the show notes. In this quick chat episode, we pick the story up as Lynn is explaining why she decided to take her parents to court. A crime was committed against me as a child, and I wanted justice, and I thought I could find it within the courtroom, within the legal system. And I didn't know of any other way to find justice because if I, my father was not going to apologize, but that was, that's another topic. So I had a strong need for justice. I think that's it. Yeah. And can you tell us about the trial? What happened? Yeah, the trial lasted a month and all that time I was seated about six feet away from my parents and we looked at each other once. We didn't chat. My mother didn't say, Lynn, how are you doing? We didn't talk at all, and I had a friend from the agency who was sitting behind them, and she she told me that she had heard my mother say to my father, you know, if I hadn't stayed in bed when I was pregnant with her, we wouldn't be here, and that to her was logic, and that was the hardest thing, I think, that went on for me in the trial, but the trial went, the trial went well. They, they had two experts who testified. That was Elizabeth Loftus and Richard Offshee. And what we thought was Richard Offshee was a negative for them. And Elizabeth Loftus was kind of even, was 50-50. It was hard hearing them talk about me. I guess what they did was they chose the memory for them that was hardest to believe. But Loftus does that, typically. It was hardest to believe, and so she talked about that, and she talked, but since that memory must be false, then all my memories must be false. Could be false, could be false. My sisters testified, and my my parents testified, which was a remarkable experience. Here was my attorney questioning them. And first, I don't know, I don't remember who testified first, but these were two people who had bullied bully me all my life. And here they were getting asked questions that they did not like. And they couldn't bully the attorney. They had to be very polite. And I, I kind of wish that all survivors could go through that, that experience 
to be held accountable on the witness stand. Mm. Uh, and they can't pull their usual tricks. They have to be polite. Yeah, they have to be polite. That that was great. And another good thing that happened was the judge's decision at the very end. He kept reading and my hopes went up and down. And then finally he said and that he was deciding in my favor. And I, I was just I was just so happy. But I cried. And I gave my husband a hug and friends who were there in the courtroom to hear the decision congratulated me. I don't know what my parents did, but I looked over there and they they were gone. Apparently they left right after the decision. And one of the things I did for justice was to enter the judge's decision online. So I just typed out the whole thing and entered it. So I that was another part of justice for me. Mm. Yeah. And you actually sued both parents, is that right? Not just your yeah, father. Yeah, because I knew that my mother Yeah, I knew that my mother knew. I finally realized my mother knew. I remembered something that meant that she knew because she walked by the bedroom and there were there's someone else and I another sister were in bed with dad and I thought she would stop and I thought she would realize what he was doing to us. But she just looked at us and then she kept walking and I thought she knew. Mm. And that was a horrible shock for me as a child because I had no recourse. I had no one to tell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, she knew. And after I named her in the lawsuit, then she does, she did what mothers, a lot of mothers do. She gaslighted me. So she would say, I, she would describe to me, describe me to people who told her that, that they heard about the case. She would, oh, she just used terrible words. And, but that was her only weapon, I realized. There's nothing more she could do other than de- deny it, but, but she did it. So she knew. Yeah. Because I finally figured out because she trafficked us. Yes. She wanted, she wanted, yeah, she wanted to keep her perfect, perfect life. Yeah. And I did not see them after the trial. I did not talk to them at all. I did not write letters, nothing. And they kept the same, they did the same for me. After the trial, um, who was, I forgot, a publication called and said they wanted to do an article on my case. Could they have my parents' phone number? And I gave it to them, and I never heard anything more. And what I think is my parents refused to have articles about them. And I will be forever grateful to them for doing that because we were in false memory times back then. And they would have, the articles would have slanted the case in their favor. So, right, Yes. I say thank you, Mom. Yeah, yeah. And were they in, were were they still in touch with the rest of your like you had five other siblings? Was there a relationship with the parents still? There was. Yeah, there was. I'm not positive how how it was, but they my siblings told me that they talked to Mom and Dad mm. throughout. Yeah, throughout throughout the whole thing mm. throughout the three years. So yeah. Yeah. They were in contact. Yeah. And you mentioned Dr. Loftus, who was one of the people that spoke at the trial against you, or was she speaking for false memories? And even after the trial, she tried to discredit you, didn't she? I was reading about Dr. Loftus, and and she's represented hundreds of parents who were taken to court by their children. She worked with 
Michael Jackson, Harvey Weinstein, Ghislaine Maxwell, Ted Bundy, Bill Cosby. So you go through this trial and then you still have people trying to discredit your story. I mean, it's quite unbelievable really, isn't it? It's crazy. And two things, and I'll talk about Loftus after this. I People would come up to me and say, how do parents, your memories aren't really true, are they? And I would say, but I won in a trial. The judge declared in my favor, and that just went right over their head. That, that was just not, it doesn't make any difference what the, it didn't make any difference what the judge said, because I had falsely accused my parents, and that's all they read about. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. So there's an organization called the False Memory Syndrome Foundation, which appears to be founded by a group of parents who were accused of child abuse by their own children with recovered memories. Do you know how the False Memory Foundation got started? Well, it got started because of us, because of people who were accusing their parents and they needed something to combat these all these accusations. And so Dr. Loftus tossed out some ideas to newspapers and when the idea of implanting memories got headlined by the Washington Post, she chose that. And it did not mean that therapists were implanting memories in the clients. It did not mean that. It just meant that she felt that this was something that would work because the Washington Post believed it. So that's what they started doing in March of 1992. And they did all sorts of things to promote the story. And they spent $7.5 million dollars promoting the story. After the trial, she talked to Psychology Today, to the, a reporter there, and she said that my, my memories are probably false. And I contacted Psychology Today, and I said, no, I, I won in court. It didn't make any difference. So I filed an ethics complaint against her with the APA, and she resigned before they had a chance to deal with my complaint. So then I filed a complaint with the University of Washington where she was working, and they they decided for themselves that my memories were false. So 
There wow. you go. That was as far as I could. Oh, and how hard is that? I mean, how hard is it to have people still tell you that what you know about your childhood is false? I think it's never going to go back to the way it was before the trial when people were very supportive. Mm. It's. I am glad that I recalled when I did. I would hate to recall within any time within. This has lasted 30 years. I would hate to recall any time during this because these these people, they cause you to doubt your memories. And I wonder what it's like to be a student in psychology class because you read in psychology textbooks that memory is false and what you recall is probably false. How do you deal with memories when you read about that? How 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 can you manage to see a therapist and get to a place where you need to be, where you would have been had you not been molested. How do you do that? I don't know. Yeah. And so this foundation got a lot of support, didn't it? I mean, it's like you said, they raised millions of dollars. And so really there was like a turning of the tide with the press where they were very supported in the end, weren't they? They were very supportive. There were 800 articles. It went it went viral. They were very, very supportive because people like me were all lying to get attention or just disabled, memory disabled in some way. So what we had recalled couldn't possibly be true. And there, there's one number that I say that doesn't fit within the false memory. No one believes it. I have a hard time believing it. But if you know that prevalence rates are one in four girls and one in 11 boys, that means that over 40 million adults in the U.S. were molested as children. Actually, it's 48 million, but I just say over 40 million. Even that number is really hard to, hard to, hard to believe. I have a hard time believing 40 million. That's a lot. How can we let... Journalists molest so many kids. How can we do that? I know it's just know. A, like it's it it's you can't even comprehend that. No. I mean, it's just so unbelievable. It's such a massive number. It's just impossible to believe that this. And that's why I said, I know that you've said that your dad probably wasn't as well thought of, but realistically, most of these things are happening in homes that look perfect you know they're putting on this this perfect kind of veneer for the world and terrible things are happening to little kids daily and it's just uh it's just so hard i don't know it's just so big it's just hard to see how that's ever going to get reduced it's just really just constantly trying to educate people i suppose and get people to come forward, you know, and tell their stories as well. I watched Mary Knight's Am I Crazy? And that was a fascinating film around her own recovered memory story. And within that movie, there was a video of Marilyn Van Derber, who was a victim of child sexual abuse. And she describes herself as a day child and a night child. She says, her personality split into two so that she could survive. She became a huge high achiever at school and she was actually Miss America when that was probably the biggest thing that a woman could be. But by splitting her personality into two, she was able to actually function, you know, she was able to sort of block out whatever was going on in her home and 
It's just so incredible what our brains can do, isn't it? When I heard that story, it just, and she was just looked like the most incredible girl. You would never have looked at her and thought there was anything but love coming her way from a a good, stable family. And yet, you know, this is what she had to do to survive. Yeah, talk about perfect. Like she, mm-hmm. she's beautiful. She's smart. Talk about someone who's perfect. That's her. But then you, then she, when she realized, it took her a long time to get used to the fact that her father molested her. And I've also found, I don't have a large sample, but I found that people who repress memories, who can do that as children, are also intelligent. Okay, uh-huh. like me, I, I'm smart. And that makes sense to me because you have to be able to figure things out. How am I going to work this so I can survive? Yeah, interesting. You speak of having a dream about being a spy because you say that your parents used code at home. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Oh, yeah. They They would talk about us. And I could tell they were talking about us. But they would use a different word a different name. And so I couldn't figure out what it was. I couldn't figure out who they were talking about. And I thought it must be something really interesting because they were trying so hard to hide it. And I thought, well, that would be cool to be someone who could listen to people who were speaking in code, which is probably rhetoric also, and who could understand it. So I decided to become a spy. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? And actually, I was, I actually became a French teacher in high school. But I think that what I did after I recalled is I became a spy in my own mind because I was, I started doing research because things were, I, I, when I found out that Loftus had dropped the first six subjects from her mall study, I thought that's curious. And so I set out to find where she did that. Mm. So I, I could be a spy when I was older. That was, it was kind of fun actually. Yeah, and I think you probably, like you say, you have been a spy in your own life, in your own, it's like yeah. writing this book. It's It really is looking into all the ins and outs of it. I know your mission is to make the world safer for children by ensuring that institutions, families, schools, sports, churches stop providing perpetrators with access to children. How do perpetrators gain access to children? Oh, because they're so charming, they're so nice. If they're going to be like jerks, they're not going to get access to children. So they're going to be very, very, very pleasant. They're going to make friends, special friends with the parents so that they can take the child off to you know, get an ice cream cone or something. That's how they do it. They manipulate us. And we so want to be the kind of parent who can see this guy is really likes my daughter. That's so sweet because I want people to really like my children. So sure, he can take her off for ice cream cone. Sure. So mm-hmm. that's how they do it. They manipulate us. When I, was a, when I was a mother, I was on the lookout for anything like that. I mm. was over the top on the lookout. As you say, I mean, it is in all the stories that you hear about this, it's the really cool babysitter. You've just got to be so careful who you let your kids spend time with. It's Definitely something that as a parent, I was on high alert to because you just, it can just be that it can just be a person that looks after kids. That's, that's what, that, that's what they're drawn to. You know, they might be in the, the childcare. You don't know. So it's so important to, 
just be watching out for that stuff. When you tell people you were molested as a child, how do you wish people would respond to that information? I wish they would respond with compassion. Mm. I wish they would say, I'm sorry that happened to you. And not that they're apologizing, but they are sad. Mm. And I was molested as a child. And I'm just starting to say a crime was committed against me as a child. And I want to see if that causes a difference in, in the way people respond, because these parents commit crimes against their children. Yes. I think look at it that way, and it seems that's pretty bad. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.